0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a the Sports, sports Rush,
1: Rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Got
0: Three ball, Max Landis! Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards,
1: touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen, you older and white Yeah, well you're half right. What is this amateur an hour? This is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard.
0: That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. You could kind of use this as a lead-in based on the amount of time I've been off. It's about damn time for me to get back to work. Or it could reference how late in the day our show is. You know, I did not realize how long in the day you have to wait for the show to start. Until I was in Florida and I kept looking at the clock, looking at the clock. It kept feeling like, okay, it's getting really late in the day. And finally, you guys would start the show. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, glad to have you with us on this Wednesday. I don't know if we can call it a hump day because a lot of people had Monday off. We had Monday off, but it is the middle of the work week. Big show today. We've got plenty of guests. A plethora of guests will be joining this show. James Boyd from The Athletic. We'll talk Indianapolis Colts football coming up at 435. Hour number two, we'll talk Pacers basketball from the Fieldhouse Files, Scott Agnes and Dylan Sin, Journal Gazette. We'll connect with uh, Dylan to find out, well, what his thoughts on Notre Dame's Bull win, IU and Purdue, what he thinks about the Purdue loss to Rutgers, what are Purdue's chances against Ohio State, Indiana, after what seems like an eternity for a Christmas break. We'll get back to action tomorrow night against Iowa. Uh, and so we'll talk to Dylan Sin about that coming up around 5:35. Of course, our Parkview Sports Medicine text lines available for you at 468 46862, 46862. You know what I just realized before the show, Adam? What's up? Next Friday. Does it have any significance to you?
2: Um, it'll
0: be Friday. Um, high school basketball maybe? On. Why did you just go into a little child <laughs> voice? I was that like, it's like the questioning word.
2: But I, Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a
0: Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. I did not realize that we had a Friday the 13th to kick off 2023 until just a little bit before the show. And had somebody say, oh, our meeting scheduled for next Friday. And I said, not this Friday. He goes, no, next Friday the 13th. Oh, Friday, the 13th, (laughs) coming up next week. Mm -hmm. Make your plans accordingly for those that are superstitious. Um, And speaking of uh, making plans, obviously, the Colts are going to move into the draft phase after this Sunday against the Texans. (laughs) How do they how do they feel good about themselves charging for that game? You, you can't feel good I mean, about yourself. What? It's the draft bowl. I mean, it's like, what do you call it with two teams that are as bad as the Texans and the Colts? Now, they opened the season and they tied. We knew nothing about either team. Wouldn't it be fitting? Oh, if, I was just going to say. It, wouldn't it be fitting if these two teams end the season? They the way to. the season is gone for both teams and they end it and neither team can get a win.
2: I honestly think they have to do it at this point. Just, I mean, just for the last.
0: <laughs> yeah, just, be, just to prove. That neither one of these teams can get a win; that they end up tied. I might, I might place a little bet. I wonder what the the payoff the would odds be. are on it yeah. being a tie. Yeah, if huh? you can, if you can place a bet on the game ending in a tie, because it's two teams that cannot win. They uh, they're both worthy of losing, but cannot win, so they will lose their way to a tie. Uh, but but anyway, after. After this Sunday, the Colts will go into draft mode. Then, of course, all the focus will be what the Colts do. Right now, the number five pick, will they trade up? How high do they need to trade up to secure the quarterback that they want? Who will that quarterback be? Uh, will it be Will Levis from Kentucky? Will it be C.J. Stroud from Ohio State? Um, Sutton Bennett is not a guy that I expect to be drafted real high. But, my gosh, the guy's had a terrific college career, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I think he's just one of those good college quarterbacks.
0: Is you he know a system mean? quarterback or is he a skilled quarterback? Sometimes you just look for a winner, right? But to me, he, he's more Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. than Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm, I, I, You know, I... He's the kind of guy you could maybe take a flyer on fifth or sixth round, but I don't see him being a, a premium pick. I don't know what he's forecasted to be. I haven't even looked at it. But um, but no, as far as the available quarterbacks, I, I think it's a good class. I don't think it's a great class of quarterbacks. Uh, it's better than last year, but that's not saying much. We Did we, we even have a first-round draft pick last year? You mean one that was a quarterback? Yeah. I'll check. Um, but um, clearly Bryce Young, who I think's undersized. And coming from Alabama, that concerns me a little bit. Alabama's one of those teams where you're surrounded by talent. You've got a good offensive line. You generally have a running game. You're going to have some of the top receivers that create separation. That's the biggest problem for the Colts right now, is they've got wide receivers that do not create a whole lot of separation. Uh, I was watching video today and saw a play that was from, what, 2014 with Andrew Luck throwing to T.Y. Hilton. And just to see T.Y. blow by the defense and to get open deep down the field was just something that it's like, man, (laughs) didn't see that all year today.
2: Yeah, so uh, Kenny Pickett was taken at number 20 uh, in the 2022 draft.
0: He was the only quarterback taken in the first round, correct? yes yes okay. he was um so uh this year i think what will we have four five yeah four
2: i'd say is a safe number i mean it could be five
0: look around the league and yeah. you think teams that are desperate for a quarterback right um try to i mean the colts obviously i i don't i mean you would think they're desperate. They could always get another bridge quarterback, but they've done that four years in a row. Do we want to keep that string going? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you wonder, is Chris Ballard even going to be the guy to make these decisions? Uh, I, You know, Jim Ursay did say that Chris Ballard will return and that he's... But I, I'm just wondering at this point, does Chris Ballard want to return? I mean, maybe it's not the Colts' choice. At this time, Chris Ballard has been stripped of most of his power and most of his authority. And it has to be a very humbling experience to come to work each day, knowing that if you're going to make any kind of personnel decision, you're probably going to have to get the stamp of approval of your owner. That you don't have the autonomy to make decisions on your own. Because Jim Irsay is behind about every decision the Colts have made in 2022 and now I don't know what decisions they've had in 2023 but <laughs> um but teams that that could be looking for a quarterback. Okay, obviously Buffalo is set. I think Mac Jones, it is he on thin ice after his behavior last week. They're talking about it. That's for sure. I mean, he obviously had some displeasure with coaches mm-hmm. uh, was somewhat disrespectful. It didn't go over real well with his teammates, didn't go over real well with the Boston market. Uh, Miami, Tua Tonga Valoa. They're, I think they're good. You think he's good? I, I you think, think they'll I, stick with I, Tua? I, I think they will. You know, the problem with Tua is he's okay when he plays. He just hasn't. Just a a you know a problem with injuries. Mm-hmm. uh The Jets, they've got to find a quarterback, but I think they are more likely to try to go after a a, a veteran quarterback because where they failed is with draft pick quarterbacks. And and it's like sometimes you learn from your mistakes. It's like head coaching positions. If if someone is hired as a head coach that's been a prior head coach and they come in and fail, then a lot of times you try to get the you know the sweetest flavor of the day and find the best assistant coach out there and generally you don't hire two coaches that are similar in their their background. And it's kind of the same at quarterback, although the Colts haven't learned from their mistakes because they continue to go to the same routine, which is let's find a, you know, a middle-aged veteran who's got declining values. So he's not going to cost us an arm and a leg that we think can bridge us to whatever our future is going to be. But then they forget to plan for the future. And so what happens the next year? They've got to do the same thing. And I think they fully believed that they were going to get, first of all, I guess you could take this all the way back to Andrew Luck. They thought they still had eight to ten years of Andrew Luck at quarterback. Yeah. And they didn't get that. Then they really believed they had at least two, if not three years, of Phillip Rivers. He goes one year, decides that's enough. Yeah. And then Carson Wentz.
2: Keep it. Yeah, I mean, we can just keep going if we want. We can go to, you know. And then and, Matt Ryan. Yeah.
0: Nick Foles. <laughs> Woo. Sam Ellinger. Well, Yeah, he's not the
2: the veteran, but it's just another, no, but another quarterback that we don't know about. But
0: we've had three quarterbacks this year that have started. Ellinger's going to get yep. his third start. This may be an opportunity for him. Hopefully. Against the Texans. Yeah, I hope we can see some signs. Because of- where did Sam Ellinger go to college? Texas. There you go. So he's playing a, a, a team from the state where he went to school. Where is he from originally? Let's find out. Time for the research department to get busy. As uh, as big shows would say, this is one for the back row. Oh. He was born in Austin, Texas. Oh, born in Austin, went to Texas against Houston, a team named the Texans. I think uh, Sam Ellinger's got yeah. everything in line this week to have, hopefully, a good week. Yeah, he even, Now, does that know. mean he's going to be the quarterback of the future? No. No. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, say if he has a good day this week, he's going to be the quarterback forever. Uh, but I don't think we've seen the true Sam Ellinger because of other circumstances. I think he's better than what he's displayed. I don't know that we've seen he can be a, quote, franchise guy. Because the one thing about quarterback, really good ones are good enough to cover up other deficiencies or weaknesses that you have offensively. Uh for instance, um, you know, Peyton Manning made everybody around him better. Uh, and, and so sometimes you get these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, for instance, he's, he's an example. To me, he's a franchise quarterback that makes the Bengals offense better just because he's in it. And the thing with Burrow is he had an awful offensive line last year, but still managed to make plays, move the chains He might get sacked on first down, but then find two consecutive plays to move the chains. And that's, you know, that's what you get out of franchise quarterback. Whereas a regular quarterback who's a quality starter, but not an elite quarterback, is going to be a guy who uh, doesn't elevate anybody around him and needs a lot of support. And I think that's what Ellinger is. Yeah. He's a guy that could be good in a system where he's loaded with talent. Kind of, Brock Purdy.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, what they're trying to do with the Patriots, with Mac Jones, he's kind of on that level-ish?
0: Uh, I wouldn't put him up on Mac Jones. No. But, I, I, I mean, I just would say, like, a guy like Brock Purdy's into a system where he's got every opportunity to succeed and very little potential of failure. And with Sam Ellinger's spot... It's like very little opportunity to be successful. Yeah,
2: complete opposite, basically. Yeah.
0: And, a, and a great chance to fail. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. So who would you want, Colts fans, if the Colts draft a quarterback? Who's your pick? Yeah, it's a good question. Is it C.J. Stroud? That's
2: where a lot of the uh, mock drafts have the uh, Colts taking. I
0: think that's a better pick than Bryce Young i think cj Stroud would be the best of the picks i mean he's not a runner but he's a guy that that can beat you with his legs you can roll him out you can move him around um and so i i would he's a bigger quarterback maybe that would make him a little more durable in today's NFL um i i think i would go cj Stroud if you're drafting But what would you want? Four, six, eight, six, two. Also, a lot of buzz about Jim Harbaugh. This is funny. So he was asked about his coaching future. Mm -hmm. Did you see his quote? No, I didn't. His quote is, I don't know what the future holds, Mm -hmm. but it looks like I will be at Michigan. Okay, I see headlines, most of them in Ann Arbor, but I see headlines saying Jim Harbaugh Makes announcement that he will coach Michigan in 20. 20- it's like, wait a minute. What did you hear? That
2: It'll, it's the media. I mean, you can it's take you how can, you perceive what's being said, right? Yeah, you can take the first half and say, Jim Harbaugh says, I don't know what the future holds. Or yeah. you can take the second half and say,
0: Jim Harbaugh says, looks like I'll be coaching. None of us Michigan. know what the future holds, but it looks like I'll be back at Michigan next year. Pick and Jim choose. Harbaugh coming back to Michigan. <laughs> Story at 11. Unbelievable. Uh, 46862, let us know what's on your mind and who you think the Colts should take as a quarterback if they do spend their top pick going after a future QB. Is this the draft to do it? 46862. Uh, all right, let's check some top headlines. Let's go ahead and get that done with Adam Lundy. All right,
2: today's top headlines. Well, Justin Fields will not get a chance to break the single-season rushing record for an NFL quarterback. Fields will miss the season finale against the Minnesota Vikings because of a strained hip, and Nathan Peterman will start in his place. Uh, Fields finishes the season 63 yards shy of the record set by Baltimore's Lamar Jackson.
0: Another guy that, maybe because of his size, spends too much time injured.
2: All-Star outfielder Andrew Benitendi and the Chicago White Sox finalized a $75 million five-year contract last night. The 28-year-old won a gold glove with Kansas City in 2021 and was chosen to his first All-Star team last season before the Royals traded him to the Yankees. Giannis Antetokounmpo scored a career-high 55 points as the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Washington Wizards 123-113 to last night. He was 20 of 33 from the field and also added 10 rebounds and 7 assists. One more for you. LeBron James out against the Heat tonight due to a non-COVID illness.
0: Oh, and uh, you know, the 55 by Giannis is just a string of huge games in the NBA right now. Is it unbelievable? Yeah, I mean, it's like, Wow. Uh, I mean, Luca puts up 60-20-10. I know. 60 points. I, what did he, who did he do that against? No, no idea. Just, uh, New York team. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> uh, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. First time in NBA history a player has gone 60-20-10. Donovan Mitchell, 71. Most since Kobe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and what, oh, Clay Thompson, he went for 54? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these huge numbers being put up right now in the NBA. Uh, there's your top headlines with Adam. You're back to being Adam Lundy. Yes. Because for a while, you were Adam Lundy. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. We'll take, a, we'll take a break. Coming up, uh, plenty more, including James Boyd from the Athletic Colts Beat Reporter. I didn't bring my pronunciation guide, Will Levis. Not Levis. What was I thinking?
2: Eh, you know, it's one of those names where... You read
0: it and it can go either Single way. Single consonant after a vowel. We've been getting We're, some. You know, <laughs> I, I go back to my I go back to my first grade rules. I messed it up. Don't I
2: don't. I don't remember those. We've been getting a couple texts though on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two about the Colts quarterback situation with the upcoming draft. Someone said, "Sports Rush, how have Ohio State quarterbacks done in the NFL lately?" Kind of just alluding to their. Lack of success, I, I mean, would
0: say. There's a lot of schools. You could You could have said that probably about LSU before Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Trying to think who was the last quarterback that was successful out of LSU before Joe Burrow. So you could have said, you can't take Burrow. He was an Ohio State quarterback that went to LSU. Neither one has produced quarterbacks. I mean, Alabama's got that, but Bryce Young is still highly coveted. Um, I mean, Mac Jones, he's the best that's come out of Alabama. Um, You know, you look at, okay, is there any history? Here's the problem. Is there any history of any school that's been a quarterback factory? Not really. Mm. Uh, I mean, Florida, you thought was for a while, but you ended up with Grossman and Tebow. I mean, that didn't really... And Palmer. Yeah, they actually... I, don't they call Purdue quarterback? Well, yeah, it was quarterback you, but you've got to go back 50 years to yeah. get five guys. So, <laughs> um, but, that, but that's the point is, is there any university where you would say, yeah, take a guy from there because they've got a great track record of producing top quarterbacks in the NFL?
2: Right. And then we got another kind of similar text. Uh, they said, I think Levis has the most upside. No on Stroud. Who's the last franchise quarterback from Ohio State? So yeah, people not too high on Ohio State quarterbacks. And right they've now. obviously
0: already given up on Justin Fields. I guess so. I mean I, I Are think- they forgetting Arch Schleister? <laughs> he's bitted more. He's been in the news more than he's been in the sports headlines. Mm. Uh, that's not a good thing. No. Um, but but what school somebody give me a school that's produced
1: multiple
0: Top quarterbacks in the NFL over in the twi- in the two thousands. There you go. In the two thousands, a school that has produced multiple top quarterbacks. There's not. I mean, I I'm looking at a list right now, and it's it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can't think of. Um. Other than Luck at Stanford. There's nobody really else. I mean, I'm just going through and thinking. Texas Tech is basically Mahomes. Herbert was out of Oregon, and unless you're really high on Bo Nix, but he spent most of his time at Auburn, um, what other uh, top quarterbacks do you have? Tua's out of Alabama, but does that break the curse of Alabama? Is he good enough to break the curse? Because you have uh, Mac Jones and Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. You've got three quarterbacks right now starting. Is there anybody else from Alabama? Alabama's had it. I mean, Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler. You've got. You know, you, they might have earned the title of quarterback you over Purdue, but uh, is are they elite? Is Jalen Hurts elite? I think Jalen Hurts is part of a system, and I, I think they're the star in Philadelphia Is the general manager who's, who's built that roster through trades, through the draft, through free agent signings. They've put together a roster that's very solid in all areas. And so I I don't know that, I mean... So we got a, we got a couple of texts. We've got uh,
2: Clemson, they've got Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence...
0: Hey, that's not bad. Nice, that's nice. not a bad combo. I mean, take what happened off the field. Forget about that. Uh, take Trevor o- Lawrence is really on a path to become our next elite-level quarterback. What he's doing in Jacksonville right now, because Jacksonville, I think, is going to beat Tennessee. Tennessee's starting Dobbs. So I think Jacksonville wins that game on Sunday. That's, that's that's probably the best, but, all right, but right now, Clemson's got a couple of quarterbacks that are supposed to be really highly touted guys, and neither one has produced real well.
2: Yeah, a couple more texts that we're getting. Um, someone said, if he wants a long NFL career, C.J. Stroud should pull a John Elway and notify the Colts that he will not sign with them. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh. Someone else said, anyone coached under Lincoln
0: Riley... Not a bad point, but they haven't necessarily been elite. Let's put it this way. They're better in college than they are in the pros.
2: And then uh, we've gotten some suggestions for, uh, or some... Caleb U- Williams? USC, yeah, yeah is, is what we've gotten. Well,
0: the, the question is, USC, what's their line, uh, lineage? Carson Palmer. Matt Leinert. I mean, are those great guys? Mark Sanchez. Those were okay quarterbacks. Sure. I mean, they've had a number of them that have gone pro and a number of them that have started, but some haven't stuck real long. Some haven't started. Cody Kessler, you know, just that, some just some names. Again, is he he's in the league still as a backup? Uh, Kessler's still in the league, right? He's a backup. I, I thought he just played a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, he actually
0: I don't know I, I not according to Wikipedia. Oh, well, that, they're always right. <laughs> most most accurate website. Most accurate. Um, huh, I thought he was still in the league. All right, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Who you got in the big championship game? Georgia. You do? So, well, now, I should say, Georgia, minus 12 and a half, TCU. Now, who do you have? Because if you take Georgia, you got to give 12 and a half points. Georgia. TCU. Okay. I did some research. I'm 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 feeling pretty good. First of all, Georgia may have been exposed a little bit by Ohio State, and uh, Ohio State moved the football. And Max Duggins had a great year, TCU quarterback. You know, TCU has scored less than 28 points just one time all year, mm-hmm. and they scored 17 against Texas. Um, you know, and in fact, TCU against Michigan, that was a defense that uh, only allowed more than 23 points once all season, 23 to Ohio State, but they allowed 27 to Maryland. That was the high, and Maryland was stuck on 19 until just seconds remained in the game, and they scored a touchdown late. So that was a Michigan defense that was supposed to be among the elite in the country. And so a lot of people think this Georgia defense is elite, but TCU shredded Michigan. Um... I don't know. I, I think if you're getting 12 and a half points in a game that's supposed to be high scoring, the over under, I think is 61, 61 and a half, something like that. I think if it's going to be high scoring, um, that's advantage TCU. I, I kind of feel if you're going to give me 12 and a half points in a championship game, take them. 46862. What do you have for the championship game? Georgia minus 12 and a half against TCU. Are you with me? you with Adam. We know how this is going to turn out. It turns out we know how it turns out. Every time, Adam, every time we try this, they just like pick crap. sides. They don't even care what you said. They'll no, just pick Adam.
2: They just like crapping
0: on you. They do. I feel like uh, I feel like Trace Jackson Davis today. <laughs> good. Good one. Yeah. yeah thank you. Uh, you could look uh, on social media and figure out what we're talking about, because we've got to take a break. We've got James Boyd, who's going to join us. Coming up after our timeout from the Athletic, we'll talk about the Indianapolis Colts, the state of the team, what changes might be ahead, and would they include general manager Chris Ballard. We'll ask it all of James Boyd coming up in just a couple of minutes. Hey, I got I got some advice for you. I had a great experience just before Christmas. I went in and saw Chris Lambert at Christopher James menswear. Now, I, I got to be completely honest. I don't wear suits all that much. Used to wear one every day, probably 10, 11, 12 years ago. But if you're like me, uh, a lot of guys aren't putting the suits on for every day of business. But there are those important meetings that you might have, perhaps special occasions that you're going to, whether it's a a wedding, uh, God forbid, a funeral. If you've got some kind of special occasion that you want to get dressed nice and look like a million bucks, you go to see uh, Christopher James Menswear. They're right there uh, at uh, Covington Plaza, and you can enjoy their winter sale right now. They've got a winter clearance sale that's going on at Christopher James Menswear, and the whole purpose, obviously, is to get to this point in the season. They've got to move some of the winter merchandise, make room for spring merchandise, which is coming in just around the corner. And so, Christopher James Menswear is going to save you 25 to 50 percent on the finest in men's fashions: suits, sports coats, pants sportswear shoes and more 25 to 50 percent off now maybe you've been a little intimidated about going in i know i was i thought okay this is this is going to be too much for me i was pleasantly surprised at what i could afford at christopher james menswear and it's quality quality stuff like brands include canali meyer peter millar johnny o magnani I mean, name brands right now, 25 to 50% off at the Christopher James menswear winter sale. They've got personal service. They guide you through the process. You may not realize how valuable that is to have somebody that actually fits you for a suit. So it, it complements your body. You look great in it. Go ahead and give them a try. Christopher James menswear, where style and service are always in fashion. Covington Plaza, Wes Jefferson and Getz. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports picks four to six. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. Coming up in our next hour, we talk to Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files to get an update on the Pacers. They're going to be in action tonight. Also, Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette. Right now, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline to talk some Colts football. It is James Boyd from The Athletic. Uh, Good afternoon, James. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well, uh, considering, all things considered, uh, it has been a rough year for the Colts on a uh, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being just absolutely embarrassed out of our mind. uh, How embarrassing should this season be for the Colts, the fans, the players, the uh, executives? It's gotten ugly. Yeah,
1: it's been rough. Uh, I guess before I get into that, I'll say that the team obviously is going through a difficult time right now. Especially Rodney Thomas II, the, second, the, the uh, high mm-hmm. school teammate of Demar Hamlin, uh, the Bills player who had the serious injury on Monday night. So, um, pretty somber locker room today. Just a lot of reflection on how much the game can kind of take away from you, just given what the injuries and things like that. Obviously, what Demar is going through is very unique. Um, but I guess as far as football and, and the outcome of games and the way things have gone as of late for the Colts, it's gone down the drain. So I, I put it, um, you know, in that eight. Range at least, maybe <laughs> a little bit higher, but it's definitely been um, a season that's unforgettable for all the wrong reasons. Have they quit? I don't think so. Um, I shy away from that word just because I don't think anybody can go out there and sacrifice their body, their health, and stuff like that, and, and say that they're not giving that they're all. I just think that mentally they're probably worn down just from having. But specifically, the defense having played well enough to win a lot of games, and then now it feels like they're finally cracking along with the offense. So I don't think that they've quit. I just think that everything, um, all their flaws and stuff, is just kind of coming to a head. And it's hard to, you know, lock in and play your best when you're essentially not playing for much of anything other than, I guess, pride. And it just feels like they've, uh, they've just, they lost something in Minnesota after that big comeback. I'll say that.
0: Talking to James Boyd from The Athletic, he is one of the Colts reporters for The Athletic. You can get your subscription now. It's well worth it, especially if you're a Colts fan. Um, James, how did Jeff Saturday deal with, because around the NFL, obviously what happened to Damar Hamlin has affected everybody, anybody who plays, the brotherhood, as mm-hmm. they call it. Um I know some teams had kind of open forum where players were allowed to talk. The Colts significantly touched by this with Rodney Thomas and his relationship. What, what has Jeff Saturday done? Is there anything special that he's done to deal with that and try to let players kind of express their feelings, their emotions? What, what's it been like for the Colts?
1: Yeah, he said he talked to the team about it today when they all gathered and they prayed for DeMar, I'm sure during that time um, there was an opportunity for guys to say a few words or get things off their chest. But from what I understand, there's just a lot of uh, support being given to Rodney Thomas specifically because it's not just one of those things where, oh, we knew each other in passing. Like No, that's really who he considers his brother. He told us today he talks to DeMar every single day. And the only reason he hasn't talked to him recently or the last few days is because of what happened to him. So I think that's the biggest biggest takeaway from the locker room today is just that – for guys who go out there and put their bodies on the line, who, you know, embody a lot of the the tough guy, you know, gladiating mindset, you get this really, really big shock to your mortality, quite frankly, and your vulnerability, your fragility of life. And so um, I think that Jeff Saturday did a did what any coach would do when he offered his support to his player, Riley Thomas and all of his players who are kind of dealing with the effects of you know, having to compartmentalize what happened and then prepare for a game.
0: I don't know what the status is exactly as far as the health and and the condition and the the visitation for Damar Hamlin, but Rodney Thomas had said, I I, I read where he was uh, in Cincinnati at the hospital. Was he able to visit at all with Damar? And I I don't know if that makes you feel better or feel worse. If, If you actually go and see somebody that you're that close with, and kind of witness firsthand the condition that he's in.
1: Yeah, so he was able to see him. Um, He got in the room for a few minutes. He said that, you know, the doctors and um, everyone around uh, DeMar was basically just shuffling people in and out. So he got to see him for a few minutes, um, said a few words. He said he doesn't know, you know, if he can hear him, but he said him anyways, just to kind of uh, put that good energy out there. And then also I think that uh, Rodney, personally, he said he felt better about it Having seen him, laid eyes on him, and, um, you know, his, the, the, his family says that DeMar is actually making a little bit of progress here. Um, obviously, we don't know what that means for his long-term health or anything like that, but um, just a few updates that we have gotten from the team officially, it says that he's making progress. He's still in critical condition, but Rodney said he felt better about seeing him, felt calmer, because, again, that's a guy he, he's known basically, you know, uh, since he was in high school, so he, he knows him. I believe for, yeah, about a decade now. So I I would think that it did a lot for his mental health and just the way he's kind of dealing with it, just to see his buddy and, um, again, just speak those words over him and for him. And he he was just saying I'm very confident that he can beat the odds because he's beat him his entire life.
0: And uh, a big shout out to the medical personnel because, quite honestly, they brought the man back to life is is what they've done. And hopefully uh, he can get a full recovery. I know uh I know everybody keeps sending their prayers and Jim Ursay sent something extra. He uh he made a twenty five thousand dollar and three dollar donation uh to the charity. Pretty generous, but it also is is not surprising that Jim Ursay would step forward and uh and kind of be a leader among NFL executives at this time.
1: Not at all. If anybody knows Jim Ursay, obviously the criticisms that have been you know, throwing his away the season are warranted with how the season is gone the decisions that have been made but no one can question the man's heart he cares for people um, obviously this was just another uh, example of it in, in a very long 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 list of examples because as we all know he's very big on the you know mental health kicking the stigma mm-hmm. he's uh you know he took people to New York for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day is he's a game and you know all expenses is paid so he's very free-hearted in that sense so I think that Um, even for me in the media was like, okay, I've been harsh on this guy, critical of this guy, but I can never question, you know, when it comes to like real life and and, and things of that nature, um, his heart seems to be in the right place most of the time. and, And it definitely was in this case.
0: Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts, of course, the embarrassment against the Giants and this offensive line. I want to address that specifically with you, James, because this was supposed to be a strength before the season and they had some holes early. We thought, oh, it's a new unit. They just haven't built their chemistry, but it doesn't matter who's out there. Results been the same. What has been the key to the breakdown of the offensive line this year?
1: Yes, so many things, right? I think that a lot of it has to do with communication and just not being what they once were. I think Ryan Kelly is taking a few steps back this season. I think Quentin Nelson, you know, he's a pro bowler. He will tell you himself, he hasn't played up to his standard. I actually just saw a stat the other day, I believe from pro football focus, where, you know, throughout his first four seasons, he hadn't, you know, given up maybe four sacks throughout the first four or five seasons in this season alone, he's given up five, you know, so that's not characteristic of what he's done in the past. And I think that, uh, they have to make some serious decisions going into the offseason about how they're going to rebuild this offensive line, and reevaluate this offensive line along with every other position group because, as we know, with the way this season is gone, it's not just one thing. It's not just the quarterback. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just the running back. There's different factors into all of those things, but obviously the biggest unit I think that has let this group down the most is the offensive line just because if you can't block, you can't win. And so that's pretty much what has happened. Um, throughout this season. I mean, four wins for a team that was at one point three, two, and one point 3-2-1. So, you know, it seems like uh, this is definitely not the way you want to be going as a franchise, and I think that uh, a lot of things are going to be evaluated just because no one can say on that offensive line if they played, you know, particularly well this season just because, I mean, when you give up the most sacks in the NFL and things of that nature, it's hard to make an argument for anyone, you know, as far as blocking.
0: Uh, of course, the question is being asked by Colts fans. Jim Ursay addressed it in a way that, uh, yeah, we've all heard this before, that Chris Ballard is going to be the guy moving forward. Do you believe it? Are you buying it? Will Chris Ballard still be the Colts uh, general manager in the offseason?
1: I don't know. And, and, and I don't say it as a cop-out. I just don't know because with Jim Ursay and the decisions he's made, Um, throughout this season, you really don't know. You know what I mean? You go into a week and you think something's one thing and the next week it's not. So I'll say this. I don't think that the team's performance over these last seven games, which which they've lost, um, or last six games, rather, which they've lost, um, the seven underneath Jeff Saturday, I don't think that you can look at the performance in Dallas, the performance in Minnesota, the performance at home against the Chargers, the performance against the Giants, and say that he's safe. I mean, this team has been utterly embarrassing um, ever since that collapse in Minnesota, and they haven't really competed or looked like. I won't say they, they haven't competed, because I know they go out there, and I believe these players play hard, but they haven't been able to compete because of just the lack of execution, lack of talent, and just, uh, frankly, lack of points most of the time. It's like, you know, your defense is out there forever. I know Bobby O'Karake had 17 tackles last week, career high, and it's like, yeah, it's great on one end. On the other end, that means he's out there forever. So um, it feels like, you know, this team is just reeling. So I don't think that anyone is safe, you know, within this franchise except the owner, Jim Merce, because he owns the team. <laughs>
0: let me let me give you a theory and, and see what your response is to it. Here's Chris Ballard of why he is safe. Because Jim Mercy realizes Chris Ballard had a team that might not have been complete, but it was able to compete at a 500 or better level, got to the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. And Jim Ursay decided to kind of take over because he was ticked off. Made some decisions. They have backfired. The team has looked awful. And Jim Ursay, with his own conscientious mind, he 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 almost feels like I can't I can't make him the scapegoat. It was my decisions. Does that sound realistic? I don't know.
1: I I, I don't. I'll put it like this. I think that it is. It's tough to, for Chris Ballard to be put in one position, obviously when he got the job, to help build the team and then to kind of have the rug pulled out from underneath him and then to kind of put that rug back. You know what I mean? It's like you squeeze 2 pace, and you can't put it back after you squeeze it out. And so <laughs> that's what it feels like. It feels like if you're going to you know, not give Chris Ballard that power to make these decisions, then what? I mean, if you give it back to him now, how long until you just do it again? So I do think that, you know, if, if there is going to be a change, it's going to have to happen, you know, in that sense as far as personnel rather than a mindset because I feel like you've already kind of handicapped the guy when it comes to his decision-making. And then to go back and give him the keys again, it feels like it's more like on a leash rather than freedom. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. It's a very weird relationship, I think, because obviously in this league you want to be able to empower people around you. But in this case, it seems like, you know, Chris has kind of been operating, you know, in a reactionary way as opposed to being the guy driving the bus.
0: What's the chances that Chris Ballard resigns?
1: Oh, I'll say no chance. <laughs> I'll say that for sure. I think that he really cares about this team. He's very prideful. Um, obviously, he thinks he's good at his job and wants to be good at his job. So I don't think he's going to throw him the towel and get that perception about him at all. I think he cares about this franchise and has too much pride to just give up. I just think it comes down to Jim Ursay. And um, obviously, a lot of his have come down to Jim Arcea throughout the, the months in, in this season. Talking to James
0: Boyd from The Athletic. Uh, let's talk about the game on Sunday real quick. They take on the Texans. And, uh, well, I, I will just say I opened the show today saying that it would be the most Colts-Texans thing ever to finish the season the way they started it. Uh, two teams that are having a tough time <laughs> finding wins. It's going to end up in a tie. It's just destiny, isn't it?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, let's hope not. You know, it, it's such, such a weird locker room when you're going in there and you're asking players how to feel to, you know, not lose but not win. I, I don't think that that is something that any team wants. But I will say this I don't have a lot of faith in the Colts offense to do much of anything. Um, and that's pretty much been this entire season. But it just feels like there's obviously been another quarterback change. This is Jeff Saturday's third starting quarterback in, you know, eight games. So you just wonder how much. Can you really do when you're steady swapping guys in and out, um, and nothing seems to work? So, um, we'll see. I mean, obviously the Texans are not a good football team. They're actually a bad football team, but the Colts have been, in my opinion, arguably the worst team in the league the last six games, um, throughout this six game losing streak. So something's got to give. And <laughs> obviously there's some positioning on the line as far as, uh, draft, you know, draft board and things like that. So I'm sure there's going to be a, a certain portion of Colts fans who would, Love for this team to lose, but again, talking to the guys in the locker room, they're like, nah, we don't want to lose anything. We want to go out there and give it our best. Um, And I will say this, too. They haven't been tanking. Like, I get that term a lot. They just haven't been good enough to win. Like, they're not going out there purposely losing games. This team is just not good. So, we're going to have two not-good teams going at it, and one of these not-good
0: teams is probably going to get a not-good win. <laughs> or, or two two bad teams are going to get a not-good tie. I still will stand oh, by Oh, no, don't speak this I'll still don't stand don't by me. it, James. <laughs> I'll think about you when the when the game ends all tied up. James, appreciate you as always. Great stuff. We'll talk to you again. Uh, all right. Thank you, sir. You have a good one. Yep, that is James Boyd from The Athletic. Always pleasurable to talk to James Boyd uh, when it comes to Indianapolis Colts. We'll take a timeout. Big hour on the way. We've got uh, Scott Agnes to talk Pacers basketball. They get prepped to take on the Philadelphia 76ers tonight. You know, they've been playing a tough part of their schedule, and they've actually performed pretty well. Now they've got a real test going into Philadelphia. We'll talk to Scott Agnes about that. We've also got Dylan Sinn on the way. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.